Welcome to the Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. And this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Commerce Next and presented by Bloomreach. With career origins in PR, Sarah Turbo is now the CMO of Express, where she is busy executing their Expressway Forward strategy that includes a digital transformation goal of growing the digital channel to $1 billion in 2024. Sarah shares how her career took her from PR to marketing leadership. She describes the four pillars of Express's digital strategy and how its digital team is organized. Finally, we also hear how Sarah's take on the evolution of PR from depending on running ads and articles and a few key publications to creating authentic connections with thousands of influencers and brand ambassadors. I don't know about you guys, but we all follow probably a number of different influencers, creators, uh, people that we can relate to that entertain us or they can inspire us. Uh, some, or across the board. And yeah. it's that's the best way to learn about different products or styling tips or things they're loving, how they're putting things together um, as it relates to special occasions. Let's listen in now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with Commerce Next. Today, we're excited to have Sarah Turvo with us. Sarah is CMO at Express. Many of our listeners may think of Express as a mall-based specialty retailer. Um, in fact, they've been very busy in the last couple of years with their Expressway Forward strategy, modernizing the brand and focusing on multi-channel. Um, and additionally, um, it's specifically relevant to Commerce Next, Express announced their digital transformation last year with the goal of growing the digital channel to a billion dollars in 2024. Uh, welcome uh, today. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. And uh, with me, as always, is my co-host uh, and podcasting partner, Michael LeBlanc. How are you today, Michael? I'm very well. Sarah, where are we finding you today? Um, we're located in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm here in Columbus. All right. Fantastic. Well, well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, why don't we get started, Sarah, uh, if you could introduce yourself and your current role at Express, help our audience kind of get grounded in um, what you're doing. Absolutely. So I am Chief Marketing Officer here at Express. I've been here about two and a half years. Uh, so the first few months, we're sort of fast and furious and getting ourselves organized on this brand transformation you mentioned, and then the pandemic hit and we took a left turn. <laughs> Um, but we're getting back on track and um, we're really excited about the momentum of our business. Uh, I oversee here um, our e-commerce channel. I also oversee performance marketing, creative, brand strategy, operations, uh, visual merchandising, um, et cetera. So I have quite a broad role here, but I've been loving my time here with this brand and uh, we have a lot more to come. Awesome. So. Yeah. You know, looking at your background, you started in retail in the PR area with Victoria's Secret. And I, I think our audience would be really interested to hear how you evolved from PR into marketing leadership. And given your background, also, can, do you identify more on the creative side of marketing, on the data side, somewhere in between? Kind of like, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I actually started my major in broadcast journalism thinking I wanted to be a TV anchor. And that was why I was in the journalism school. And I learned pretty quickly after an internship that it was not for me. Uh, so I transitioned to public relations, which is on the other side of the news, uh, pitching um, media. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. 
I did that for about eight years uh, with Victoria's Secret. And through that time, I became more and more curious about marketing strategy and data and uh, wanted to really build my career. So I was lucky enough that Pink, um, underneath Victoria's Secret, was just starting as a brand. Um, it had been an, an incubation phase for a couple of years and was worth about a couple hundred million dollars annually. And they were looking to uh, put together an executive leadership team for Pink. And um, at the time, the business was looking for an, a non-traditional marketing leader. Uh, to help set up Pink. They wanted people to be talking about the brand, wearing the brand. They wanted grassroots efforts, viral type activity. This is back when, you know, uh, Facebook was an EDU. SMS was a small thing. And we were just trying to figure it out. But they thought somebody who can create buzz and get people talking is who we want to lead marketing here. So um, I was given the great opportunity to leap over to Pink and build a somewhat of a non-traditional marketing function and approach to building to the business. And uh, that was an awesome eight-year run. And over that time, I learned a lot about the data and analytics and uh, the collaboration required and how to drive traffic and look at business results. And uh, we built the team over the course of many years there and the business grew to a billion, two billion, et cetera, uh, during that time. And then I transitioned back to Victoria's Secret where we worked on combining the channels, the e-commerce channel, the stores channel, and all the different marketing functions. So that was a great experience for me too. And thinking about how we can build and optimize an omni-channel Team. So um, I would say I got lucky a little bit. I was in the right place at the right time uh, when they were looking for a non-traditional marketer. And uh, the rest is a bit of history. I would say as far as how my brain works, I would say I would sit in the middle, um, you know, under stress or under uh, when business is challenging, I go to like, you know, perfect square relative to how my brain works and how I navigate Um the best ways to fix the business or uh, to help the team through challenges. I do definitely enjoy the creative side, but I love connecting the data and the insights and the analytics to engagement and action. So I sit uh, somewhere in between and then I love having a team that's balanced. So we have a great uh, team that has all different skills and we really do truly complement one another and what we bring to the table. I, I always enjoy hearing about uh, backgrounds of marketing leaders because it's so varied. I mean, we talk to people that came from a legal background, an engineering background, uh, finance, um, and then they all give you some core skills that you end up combining with other things and applying here. So mm -hmm. that's great. Uh, you know, one of the things we like to talk about at Conversations with Commerce Next is career advice. And um, you told us a little bit about your career journey. Um, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what is some of the best advice you got along the way? Um, and also, what is a piece of advice you wish you would have been told, but, but never were? I would say that for me, um, I had to learn not to personalize things. Uh, when I got feedback, um, you know, I'm highly accountable, but I also would uh, somewhat personalize things. And I remember uh, specifically after this big pink event that we had, um, I came in quite eager to connect with my boss um, and get her feedback on it. And she gave me a number of observations and things she wanted us to improve upon. And I I looked at her and I felt a little heartbroken and sad. And she said, Sarah, you have to understand, I'm never going to let it be perfect. Because my job is 
to continue to grow the business and make things better. And, you know, we were a publicly held company. Uh, If people get too comfortable, we're not going to continue to drive growth. And it really helped me understand better where she was coming from and how to ingest feedback and continue to find opportunities to get better. So I would say that was important uh, for those who tend to personalize feedback at times. I would say as it relates to uh, feedback I wish I had in, earlier in my career, I would say uh, be patient. Um, I actually had this conversation uh, with my boss not that long ago because he had been given feedback um, earlier in his career where he was so excited to be an SVP, a GMM, a president, a CEO. And uh, one of his mentors said, you know, if you spent uh, more time focusing on the job and delivering and optimizing and learning and less time worrying about the title, it will come because it'll come through the results. And uh, as it turns out, you know, (laughs) it definitely worked out for him as well. So uh, sometimes it's important to be patient um, and just know that working hard and learning um, and networking and all of that will will work out. Yeah, we've heard that. I think from some of our other guests is to they, maybe they put it a little bit different. Is they said, you know, really focus on a role where you can grow and learn something. Don't always be chasing the title mm-hmm. and more money necessarily. And mm-hmm. those experiences uh, that you'll gather will really pay off in the future. So it sounds like, you know, pretty consistent with what we've heard from some other folks. So, um, so kind of shifting from your career to the way you're thinking about bringing new people into your team, um, thinking about young people in marketing and digital retail and e-commerce, um, you know, what are some of the things you're looking for in the next generation of, of digital leaders? What are some of the skill sets uh, that you're looking for. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you like to be, you know, kind of surrounded by a balanced team. So maybe you could talk, you know, what, what are some of those different areas that you see that need to be balanced? Absolutely. So I would say, and we all uh, being in uh, this industry, uh, keep, or I shouldn't say all of us, but I definitely am continually amazed at how fast everything is evolving and how uh, agility is such an important um, thing to embrace um, and to stop feeling like, well, once we get through this, it's going to be you know, normal again, because <laughs> every day, every week, every month is providing its own challenges. So I would say having a very flexible mindset and collaborating with your partners Uh, having good conversation and figuring out how best to move forward together as a team is really, really critical. So for me, it's important to have a highly collaborative uh, team where we talk about challenges, obstacles openly, and we figure out and align on the best path forward. Uh, The other thing I would say is curiosity. Um, I think it's so important to ask questions and learn. And uh, if you're not aligned or not sure you're clear, absolutely uh, ask and and get yourself comfortable or not. You know, let's talk through why you're not comfortable. But I would say, um, you know, anymore, you know, once we've set even a process and a strategy uh, to sale, we're changing and pivoting and evolving constantly. So um, that's those are, I would say, are the key things that I'm looking for um, when we bring people into the fold. Is there anything like when you are looking through 
potential candidates, anything in your background, you know, or it's not your, sorry, not your background, but the, the candidate's background that seems to stand out and kind of makes you want to learn more about that particular candidate? I would say, um, you know, I certainly love somebody who um, has a, you know, a broad background, looks like they're somewhat loyal to a company, um, you know, not too much uh, flipping around. But I also appreciate when somebody's made a decision to leave uh, for certain reasons and it's if the job isn't fitting, um, you know, their their career aspirations. So I would say it really does depend on the area of marketing and what I'm looking for. Um, you know, obviously on the performance marketing side, I definitely appreciate somebody who's analytical and has experience working with different partners and platforms. Somebody on the brand strategy side, um, I would love somebody who has more of a creative engagement strategic thinker. Um, And like you had mentioned sort of at the beginning, marketing is such a broad reaching department and it really does include truly creative right-brained individuals and truly analytical left-brained individuals and everything in between. So it really would depend um, on the individual area that I might say I would be looking for certain things. So let's take uh, let's take a bit of a pivot ourselves. Uh, I circle back, so to speak, to the beginning of the conversation. You talked about some big initiatives happening in Express. I did mm-hmm. actually want to take one quick step back from that. And for those who may not be as familiar with uh, Express as as a retailer, you know, it looks like you're U.S. based South. Talk a little bit about the scope and scale of the business, just for a few minutes, just to kind of anchor anybody in. And then I want to talk about this Expressway Forward strategy that uh, that we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. So Express is actually a 40-year-plus retailer. When I was talking about um, whether or not I was going to take this opportunity, Mm. um, a lot of people um, that I asked about Express, have you heard of Express? They would say, yes, I used to shop at Express or yes, that store in the mall. (laughs) And that's really what we were known as for quite some time. Um, We're quite a large company. Um, You know, we're just under $2 billion. We have stores across the U.S., um, as you mentioned, a big and growing e-commerce channel. We also have outlet stores. Um, and I would say uh, a couple years ago when, when my boss joined, uh, the business had been suffering a little bit. We had had a multi-year decline in our business performance, and it was time to reinvigorate the brand. And so the idea that we needed to drive a more relevant brand, evolve our product strategy, and how we show up and engage customers was at the forefront of, of my uh, objectives here uh, when I started here a couple years ago. So that, that's what, uh, what attracted you to the role, a chance to build, build back, right? Build back yes. and, and uh, pivot the role. So let's talk about this, uh, the Expressway Forward strategy, and then I want to get into um, how digital growth is, is going for you. Obviously, an important part of the business, and interesting as we talk to colleagues about how important being in malls and being present and the, yes. role, the role of acquisition customer. It's, a, it's almost old True. school from our perspective, right? Just get, uh, get some visibility when people are walking by the stores. But why don't we start, start with the, uh, the Expressway Forward strategy and then take us through how things are going on there. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, the idea on the Expressway Forward strategy was to transform from a store in the mall to a brand with a purpose powered by a styling community. Mm. And uh, to your point, having stores, is it's come full circle. 
Yeah, isn't it though, right? It's a huge bonus for us um, yeah. as we look to build this business and grow the brand. It is absolutely the number one acquisition driver uh, for us and an mm-hmm. awareness driver. Uh, so the idea was that we don't want to just be a store in a mall. We want to create deeper connections with our customers and long-term loyalty. And so we really galvanized around this idea that our brand's purpose is to create confidence and inspire self-expression through fashion. We're known as a fashion brand. Uh, We're trusted as a fashion brand. And so how can uh, we help people feel more confident when they put on a great looking, you know, coat or a pair of pants and they feel when you feel good, you look good and, you know, the other way around. So uh, you just want to make sure that everybody's feeling like their most confident self as as they step out for their day. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss another great episode. We'll be right back with our interview with Sarah Turvo from Express right after this message. Bloomreach is the world's number one e-commerce experience cloud, empowering brands to deliver customer journeys so personalized they feel like magic. It offers a suite of products that drive true personalization and digital commerce growth, including discovery, offering AI-driven search and merchandising, content, offering a headless CMS, and engagement, offering a leading CDP and marketing automation solution. Together, these solutions combine the power of unified customer and product data with the speed and scale of AI optimization, enabling digital commerce experiences that convert on any channel and every journey. Learn more at bloomreach.com. That's bloomreach.com. Basically, we uh, galvanized our organization around what we call the EXPR strategy, which is also our uh, symbol on the uh, stock exchange. Uh, So to keep it simple, Um, but the E stands for engage customers and acquire new ones. The X stands for execute with precision to accelerate sales and profitability. P is by putting product first first, and then R is by re and reinvigorating our brand. So those were the key pillars in how we set forth the expressway forward strategy. We knew our product needed to get better. We needed to improve the quality, the fashion edit point. And so we've done a lot of hard work across the board to evolve yeah. that because if you don't have good product, then none of the rest of it matters. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's, it's funny. We talk to a lot of leaders and, and we still do come back to, at the end of the day, customers have to want your product. You can have exactly. lots of great strategies and great execution, but at the end of the day, the edit has to be right. The silhouettes have to be right. They have to be all the things that suit your market. So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's funny. I was thinking about the, the role of stores and malls in the role and how it connects to digital because, you know, mm-hmm. at the margin, basically, if you can get more people typing in Express in the search engines and the platforms, you don't have to actually fund that. So at the margins, it's, it's become pretty good ROI for stitching those together. How's the, how's the digital growth initiative going for you? And where does that fit in, in the overall uh, EXPR? By the way, I thought EXPR was you just kind of put in your PR background in the last couple of, <laughs> last couple of points there. I thought you're coming full, back, full side back to your thing. Let's talk about your digital growth and, and uh, your perspectives on that. Uh, at yeah. this point in the uh, in the project. Absolutely. It's funny. We just done the PR piece. I always arm wrestle with my merchant partner because <laughs> she thinks it's all about her and her product. And I'm like, but it's all about the brand and the customer. But at the end of the day, it's about all of the above. Yeah. And so as it relates to our e-commerce channel, 
obviously it's an incredibly important channel uh, for our brand. Um, and we do have the goal you stated uh, to achieve a billion dollars in e-commerce by 2024. And it's going very well. So as you guys might have heard in our uh, earnings script, we're seeing tremendous growth in that channel. Um, and we're driving it through a highly loyal customer, which mm. is amazing. Uh, we've seen great traction with our app and app downloads, um, great traction with our SMS group, and it's driving great brand loyalty. Uh, we uh, essentially uh, uh, put our framework for e-commerce into four main uh, pillars. Uh, one around personalization and how do we improve personalization I know there's a lot embedded in that term, and we've been talking about it for a very long time across the industry. Yeah. Uh, omnichannel execution, and that's where uh, obviously the stores and e-com come together. And uh, certainly with the pandemic, you know, we've seen explosive growth in, you know, buy online, pick up in store, find your store, and just ensuring that we're creating the most seamless um, omnichannel experience for our customers Styling and fit experience, we want to make sure our customer understands what we sell and can get the most information uh, they can to drive conversion. And then what we call express community. And so that links all the different customers and ambassadors and VIPs and our, you know, all of the associates uh, into what we're calling the express styling community. Uh, we're all part of one big happy family and we all cross channels. And um, how do we just unlock engagement and excitement around our product and our brand purpose uh, together as a unified community? So that's actually a very big focus for us this coming year. Yeah, I want to come back to that a bit later. I did want to follow one quick thread, though. As I, as I looked at your site, uh, you've got this, uh, you've got buy now, pay later on it. Is that table stakes now in your line of work, or is that starting to be a differentiator? It, it, it feels like it is very youth-oriented uh, as a service. Just for if you could briefly comment on your thoughts about that as, as kind of transitioning to you got to have it versus it's something that can be a winning proposition for the business at say- any point. Yeah, I would say it's, uh, for me, I would describe it more as uh, an emerging table stakes uh, for uh, brands. I think, you know, people are transacting in different ways and you just want to make it easy. If you're enjoying this interview, you may want to join us for the Commerce Next Summit on June 21st and 22nd at the New York Hilton Midtown. Here, execs from companies like GoPuff, American Eagle Outfitters, Kate Spade, Ralph Lauren, Neiman Marcus, Olaplex, and more. We'll be gathering our community of trailblazers and changemakers to talk about the future of digital commerce and share the latest strategies for e-commerce acceleration. The theme of the summit is seizing the next wave of growth, and we'll be covering everything from how to set up shop in the metaverse to scaling performance marketing strategies with first-party data. We hope you will join us in June. Learn more and register at commercenext.com. Yeah, that reduction of friction, right? So important, whether it's in the store or whether it's online. Um, Let's talk, and you you touched on it briefly, you know, you were talking about your merchant partner, but let's talk about how marketing and digital work together at Express. Uh, Scott and I talked to a lot of people in Veronica, and it's it's a little bit, the flavor is a little bit different at every organization. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a slightly different approach to it. Uh, You know, we talked to people who who have performance marketing, you know, very ROAS, very hardcore Mm -hmm. versus brand marketing versus... Uh, you know, sometimes run by the same people, sometimes it's different. How is it structured at Express? Right. So that's a great question. And I don't know if there's a, an exactly uh, right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point, it has a lot to do with the organization and uh, the talent you have. Uh, we have an SVP of e-commerce here um, who is responsible for hitting that billion dollar target and how we manage the uh, 
the team in order to drive conversion and the best site experience possible to hit these bold goals. Um, We also have a VP of performance marketing who's essentially responsible for driving the traffic. So they are a dynamic duo and how, and they're actually both named Brian. (laughs) So call them the Bryans (laughs) and they both uh, report into me. But uh, the idea that uh, we set our financial targets um, and our budget targets to our e-commerce sales goals and we're constantly optimizing Um, and unlocking uh, different ways uh, to grow the channel and the business. Uh, So I would say it's a very, very tight collaborative partnership across the teams. And then Brian, well, Brian, e-commerce Brian, works also Makes your life difficult. The Brian, which Brian? (laughs) Uh, Michael, I get into it all the time. Yeah, it's so funny. So uh, he's equally um, close partner with IT, and right. making sure we're delivering on our e-commerce roadmap. And then also with our merchant partners, making sure he's understanding the business and what's trending and how we can optimize for business performance. So they each have their feet in different areas, but then uh, they actually come together um, as great partners as well. I want to get back to this whole creator economy, influencer economy. You've got such a, a, a rich background with your, your roots in PR and journalism. You must have seen so much change. I mean, as an organization, when you look at uh, building brand and, and influencing uh, thought leadership, you know, it, it probably was the case when we all started our career. That was mostly done through journalists and through mm-hmm. trade pubs and through you know, mass media journalists, it feels like uh, that, you know, more mostly maybe it's probably done on TikTok or YouTube or wherever uh, you do that today. And, and, uh, you know, that brings its own issues of scale and focus. Talk about how you use influencer marketing, the creator economy, and and, uh, what's its role and how do you approach it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, gone are the days, I'm probably dating myself, where you could say, this is what you're launching And you could line up all your marketing, like your magazine ad and your TV ad and get your PR exclusive and everything was done. And it was like, if you build it, they will come and you could drive business results. Um, Now it is absolutely, I would say that just just does not work. And it's way more about um, true, authentic connections uh, with customers or people that they can relate to and trust. Um, which connects to your question around the creator population. I don't know about you guys, but we all follow probably a number of different influencers, creators, uh, people that we can relate to that entertain us or they can inspire us uh, some, or across the board. And yeah. it's that's the best way to learn about different products or styling tips or things they're loving, how they're putting things together um, as it relates to special occasions or here's what I'm wearing to this or here's something about this. Here are my favorites. So uh, we have a very, very large and healthy and thriving uh, creator content strategy um, across all different um, platforms. Uh, We have what we describe our sort of top of pyramid, high reach uh, creators, and then we have thousands of customer ambassadors as mm. well that create content for us uh, for gift cards. So all the way through, uh, we're connecting and having them pick what they love and what inspires them and what gives them the most confident confidence in their day. And so it's all across the board, always on. Right at, at the top of that pyramid, I'm curious, uh, just to peek into your tradecraft is that is that at the celebrity level or is it just a the influencer? I mean influencer measured by how many Insta follows you have. Is that how you kind of think about it? Is there still a role for celebrity in, in this 
social media creator world? Yeah, it's a great um, question. And I would say for us, um, most recently, we announced a partnership with Rachel Zoe, who mm. is a world famous stylist. Uh, she's been doing it uh, for a long time and is a very trusted stylist. And she uh, also is fully committed to our brand purpose of creating confidence and ex- inspiring self-expression through fashion. So it's very authentic. When we met with her, it was just like very natural. Oh my gosh, I love making people feel good. And here's how I would think about it. So in that situation, she's a celebrity and uh, she obviously influences our customers in many ways. Um, but so I would say there isn't one size. It's just as long as they're committed to our brand, brand promise and purpose and we have connectivity with what we do. Uh, we have an open mind and we just want to keep uh, growing yeah. and nurturing that community at all levels. But there's real tradecraft there, right? I mean, really to do this professionally and as part of the marketing mix, it's not an ancillary kind of let's pull it together. I imagine there's a, a considerable amount of tradecraft and metrics behind it as well. So just that, yeah. thanks for that. Thanks for that fascinating glimpse into it. We could do a whole podcast, I think. You could. Uh, I mean, that. yeah, to your point, like we uh, do a lot of testing too with creative content across all the different social mm. media platforms. Mm. Um, it's called, it's basically micro testing and learning all the time. And we're yeah. learning what's working by gender and by target age and by channel and optimizing uh, all the time because there's absolutely nuances right uh, new platforms i mean yeah. new pla- i mean three years ago we wouldn't have been talking about this thing called tiktok right I mean, exactly two years, two years ago the doors off of everything <laughs> no kidding now uh, last question on this and then we'll move on is uh is there a role for your associates in the influencer strategy i talked to retailers who are turning their minds to you know, how the folks on the floor can play a role in that. Sometimes it was during the pandemic, live streaming or whatever. Is there a role for that in the strategy? I would say absolutely. As we discussed earlier, the importance of stores, we have thousands of store associates that are engaging with customers every day. And if they can make an impact on that customer and make them feel great when they're leaving the store, they're creating a loyal long-term experience. So for us, uh, absolutely. We've been experimenting with in-store events where the uh, style, we call them style squads, our associates are hosting parties and styling and having a lot of fun. And not only is it creating buzz and excitement in our in-store environment, but it's creating content for social media because everybody's posting and celebrating. I have a great job and look at me and today my team did this and here's what we're loving. And and so absolutely, it's uh, all part of, of the ecosystem. Fantastic. Works on a couple of levels. Let's turn our mind to the future. We've talked about uh, the futures here every day, but let's talk about the future in five years. And uh, specifically, how do you imagine not just your role, but the role of a CMO in five years, if we could imagine what that looks like? Is it a a continued mix of art and science? Is it balancing one way or the other? But how how are you thinking about what would be difference in 2027 as as a CMO for a retailer like yourselves? That's a great question. And if I could, if I knew the answer, I would absolutely. <laughs> write a book. You write a book about it. <laughs> exactly. I would say we, we do our planning for marketing about three years out and we optimize and evolve as we're learning, just like you said, TikTok, you know, I mean, who would have known, right? And the right. importance of video, we went from having great engagement rates with flat imagery to needing video for every platform because people are now bored with static imagery. So a lot of that stuff is just in the moment and continuing to be testing and learning and optimizing. Uh, But I will say uh, one thing that I think will be even bigger and more significant is the power of community and authentically connecting with customers. 
Um, and I think more and more people are understanding mm-hmm. when it's a superficial thing versus a true uh, integrated uh, promise and purpose across everything and every aspect of your community. Mm-hmm. So I do see a tremendous amount of power um, around how we can continue to unlock what we're calling social commerce, which is essentially social sellers on behalf of the brand, hosting parties in stores with our associates and just uh, unleashing the power of that community. I think that will help us be differentiated Mm -hmm. and successful in the long run. And I do think it will be a balance of of art and science as well. So uh, how do we get smarter and better with data and not drown ourselves in data, but leverage um, new tools and capabilities to customize and and organize ourselves. Uh, so um, I would say, you know, the power will become your customers and your associates and all of those um, different uh, extensions of the community. And how do we just support, harness, and unleash unleash all of that? Fantastic. All right, last question for you, and then I'm going to throw the mic back to uh, Scott to wrap us up. And it's actually, we've been asking this question for the entire series. It's starting to feel a bit redundant. Are you hiring? So the mic is yours, uh, we've got a great audience. Uh, if you're looking for positions, if you're hiring, the mic is yours. Uh, talk us, talk to us about what you're looking for and um, about a, a bit about the role. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, um, we do have open positions and we are always looking for great talent. Um, and so if somebody out there is interested in joining our styling community um, and really uh, believe in the power of fashion and what that can do to create confidence and inspire self-expression. Come join us. We have a lot of fun here. Um, It is specialty retail and fashion. So uh, hopefully you have a passion for that as well. But across the board, um, you know, you can go to our hiring website and uh, see all the different positions we have available, but would love uh, people to reach out. Quick follow-up question on that. Are you hiring different now? Are you hiring remotely? Are, you know, you're in, you're in Ohio. Maybe there's a, a, you know, is there a bigger accessible talent pool? Have you changed your perspective? Perhaps you were already, already there, but uh, just speak to that for a second or two. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, it somewhat depends on the role, but uh, we say we definitely will hire remote um, from different areas across the country for a lot of our positions. Some of our per- positions we call hybrid. So there might mm-hmm. be times where they need to be in the office for certain meetings, or we have walkthroughs where we look at future product and some of sure. those things. Yeah. Um, and then some of them are full-time in the office, but now very, very few are. So people in the photo studio that have to shoot product to e-commerce, those sorts of roles are are full-time in office. But I would say for the most part, we're hybrid um, and um, are willing to recruit remote as well. It's amazing how COVID pushed us there. We were already in that mindset, but it pushed us to learn that it's very possible and uh, people are very successful working from wherever. It may be be the lasting implication of the COVID era that that actually lasts is this change of culture, right? That that really changed uh, how people hire for for good or ill. We're going to see, right? Yes. Yeah. There is something about human... Um, you know, contact and meetings mm-hmm. where you, you get that energy um, yeah. that you can't necessarily get from home. But there's, I, I love the hybrid life. I, I do enjoy coming into the office and seeing my partners and the creativity that unlocks. And there are days where I do want to just uh, work from home and be more efficient and uh, do what I got to do. So, Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time chatting with us, telling us about your background, uh, what's going on, all the new things at Express you know, some of the ways that you have been approaching marketing and this transition 
into the creator economy. Uh, and it really was enlightening for me to kind of connect your background with this, these, you know, all the communication strength that you bring to it from being a, you know, being in PR for so long to all the things you're doing now and your emphasis on community and, you know, social media, it, it really seems to make a lot of sense. It makes me think a lot about, you know, how important, you know, that background, you know, that you have and, and maybe some others in the industry can bring to, you know, the way marketing is going right now. So that was, uh, I really enjoyed hearing about that. Thank you again. Thank you, Michael, for, uh, for co-hosting with me. And uh, we hope to see you uh, maybe in, the, in person in one of these days. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone.